Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Polygon Forest. I'm Ubisoft Concept Artist, Vin Hill. I am joined, as ever, by the indie developer, Mr. Christopher Jarvis. Hello. So this week, uh, there's a lot of tidbits. It's coming towards the end of the year, so there's a lot less to talk about, but there's there's still some little bits that we want to get through because like there's there's, there's always something to talk about in the games industry. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Like even even on the uh, quote-unquote quiet weeks, like it's always there's always stuff to talk about these days, which is great. Yeah, it's um, interesting this is a quiet week because, you know, if COVID wasn't happening, we'd be talking about all these massive AAA games. But this is the this is the time that they were expecting those ones to sell, isn't it? So, Yeah, this is true. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, before we do get into our little bits, I guess uh, it's going to be a bit similar to last week. But Chris, what have you been playing this week, my man? Uh, well, I just finished off with the lad today, uh, Lego Batman 2. Which is nice. a great game. Such a good game. Like <clears throat> Lego Batman 2 came out a long time ago now, but they really know game design really well. And a lot of it still stacks up on, on the Xbox and still plays really well. Um, so I've been playing that. I've been playing Halo, obviously. Mm-hmm. But we talked about this. I lost my yeah, save. Yeah, we did. I lost my save. Uh, yeah. It kept saying save, save failed when I was hitting checkpoints, and I was like, I was using, uh, you know, the instant resu- resume on 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 the Xbox uh, Series X, right. and I just thought, oh, it's fine, it's just because instant resume is working. Um, but no, it, it wasn't, and I lost several hours, like a whole massive play session. So, unfortunately, that it's means really strange. Like, I'm, yeah, I mean, again. I just, I have not heard of this bug at all like it's kind of weird that like the game's just not saving it i wonder if that's just a thing to to halo or if it's like an actual like xbox sort of system error you know like that i'd be curious to see yeah i'll have to wait if i can save again moving forward if i properly report it because if that's so then that's the second odd unusual out the ordinary bug that i've had on my series x so hopefully it can't be hardware can it no, I, I, it can't be hardware. It's no. got to be something. Yeah, it's got. It's just got to be something like to do with software. I, I assume like it's just not communicating properly with the no. with the game for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, it still sucks, man. Yeah, it sucks. I got to play more Halo. So after yeah. after uh, after this, that's that's what I'll be doing. So yeah. Yeah, I suppose that is the bright side to all of this. Is that you? You know, you get to you get to sit down and play some more Halo, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it still sucks. And then I was playing one other thing. Okay. But we'll talk about what you've been playing first, and then we'll come back to the other thing I've been playing. Yeah, I guess because it, it sort of it lines up exactly what you've just been saying. But I actually finished off Halo Infinite last night. Like I, I just finished moving. This is why, like for any of the uh, the um, returning viewers, could see like the background. The background's changed. Yeah, because I moved house, and now I don't have any crazy, screamy, like insane people living below me anymore, which is. Yeah, it's 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 been nice. It's been really nice, and the new apartment is amazing. It's great, but yeah, I digress. Um, yeah, but last night I finally like after we finished packing on Friday, like I finally sat down uh, Saturday night last night, and I just spent like the last. Um, I finished it off over like a six-hour period. I just sat down and plowed through it. Uh, great game, like really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I think like the only sort of criticism I've got two like nitpicks like I, I do think it's worthy of like the the eights and nines that it's getting um because it, it's probably the best halo game that 343 industries have put out i think they finally found like the formula which they're going to fit into 
which is great because they always needed something um, that was sort of separate from the other Halo games, but something that was unique to them, but still felt like Halo. And it's a really that is a really hard combination to sort of find. Yeah, tight tight line to to tread. Yeah. yeah, which I can't I can't even imagine like trying to sort of maneuver that as a developer to try and think, okay, we've got to we've got to match to this legacy, but also like find our own feet in this. And I think they've they they figured it out. Like I, I really enjoyed Halo Four, which they did. Um, Halo 5 was just a mess, but this one is like, it feels new, it feels fresh, and it feels right for where Halo's going. Um, the only sort of nitpicks which I had was, one was a comical bug, which keeps happening over and over again, and everyone like that's even remotely interested in Halo has probably seen the comical bug, which is like the Marines are just very, very suicidal at the FOBs. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're just like, oh, you like you're dropping in a vehicle. Cool. A vehicle. Let just, let's jump in on that. Yeah, right. Let's like literally like run over to the spot exactly where you're about to drop something in on, and just and stand there with my with my sniper rifle. Like, okay, yeah. it's nice knowing you, sort of thing. And then it lands and it just crushes them. Yeah, it's just, and it is funny. Like that's one of the funny ones. But the the Marines like felt a bit rushed for that game. That's the only thing. And yeah, it goes for all of it. I agree. Um. So and not, and not just the FOB stuff. I think like the way that they work in the field and stuff is it's it's very rough. Like the their run cycles and stuff just look really bad. They look like PS2 characters, um, not like graphically, but like their animations are just like comically terrible. Like yeah. the way that they run, just like from the waist down. Like there's no momentum in the upper body whatsoever. It's just like the legs are running, and then like the body is like perfectly still. Like it's really it's kind of funny when you first see it, but after a while, it's kind of like yeah, I wish I was a bit more polished. Hmm. The only yeah. other criticism, yeah, the only other criticism I really had was the uh, the biomes, like in on the Halo sort of like environment of the open world. Um, it's all just one massive terrain basically, and it all looks the same. Um, it's def- it's a beautiful game, and it's still like it looks. It's got a little bit of variation, but it doesn't have like weather biomes like it doesn't have like a snowy area or in a hot area or in a cold area or whatever you know mm. like they don't have like any variation whatsoever so I, i'm hoping like in the next one um they had a bit more of that because that's that was the only thing like by the end it was like yeah i'm kind of sick of looking at these pine trees yeah um <laughs> so that's you know something. that could have worked as well because uh where there was the damage done on that halo ring there was a perfect opportunity to have like some sort of environmental thing that might not have been working properly so then ironically it would have it would have made more sense in this game over any other it's like because when you're playing ghost of shima like you can like literally look from the top of a mountain Mm. you can see in the distance and see you know snow and then leaves snow and then then it's like autumn's over there and then the summer ones over there and you can see all of them it's like yeah this is like completely unrealistic but in a halo infinite universe where like it's a manufactured uh environment literally uh, you could have said, well, you know, like in this area because it's busted and like the the like the halo ring is overcompensating for certain areas, so it's like the climate's all over the place on this bit. Like where they could have like played with that, that they it, yeah. it just stayed all the way through. Which I'm guessing this game was probably rushed towards the end anyway because they they had a lot of pressure based on like the feedback that they got from the first showing, so they probably cut yeah. back on a lot of them features. Probably had plans for it, but like sort of pull back on it which i'm glad they did because the game itself uh, outside of those problems which i had yeah feels great like it's it's a really really good halo game well dlc could that be something on the horizon i think so like i mean if there's any sort of um 
I don't know, like argument to have for a DLC. I think like this game sort of fits into it. It's a first party game, so it's probably gonna get like a story expansion, which would be nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, like just yeah, playing as another Spartan, maybe like in it, because there's uh, there's obviously like other like backstory. I'm not gonna ruin anything, but there's mm-hmm. other like Spartans that show up, quote unquote, in the in the game itself that you could totally expand upon in some way. Like there's this whole like the the sort of six months leading up to Halo Infinite. Yeah, plenty is, of story there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you could do a prequel DLC. I think that could be really interesting. Yeah. Um, while while Master Chief has been like floating around in the like in orbit, wherever he's been doing, having a nice nap, <laughs> like all this all this other stuff was happening, which you only get like bits of like throughout the story, which is, you know, I think you could totally expand upon it. Yeah. So, hopefully the they do. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to play play some more in just a little while. Um, but yeah, have you been playing anything else, or was that is that was that it? No, that was it. I mean, because I was I was moving all last week, and then I only just sat down yesterday. And I'm glad I was able to get through Halo because I've got I've got a load of other stuff that I want to finish before That's next year. Because next, I'll get around to it one day. <laughs> one day. One day I'll get to it. I promise I will get to it. Yeah, your next game. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be your next game. You're gonna play, right? Maybe, maybe. We'll we'll see. I mean, you, I've got you finished I've got like Halo. Finn. Yeah, I, uh, it was funny. I had this moment the other day. Well, not the other day. It was a couple of weeks ago. I downloaded um, what you call it, uh, Mafia Two. I haven't I haven't played it yet. But I was looking at. It, I was like, if I play this before Mass Effect Two, I think Chris might actually fly to Canada and kill me. Yeah. So I better I better put this one to one side. Uh, no, the the next game I want to finish off is uh, Solar Ash. Like I. I put a good dent into that, but I still haven't finished it off and I, I want to get back to that game because that's a really, really great game. I'm really enjoying it. So, Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then when we come back, we can probably talk about our uh, games of the year, which will be, yes. be an interesting conversation to have. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'd like, I'd like to do that in the new year, though. Like, I, I never mm. like doing that before the year is over. Because yeah. Because still plenty of gaming weird. time. Well, get a lot of gaming done in the holidays. So, you know. There's that as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of game of the year nominations which were in the game awards which i had a good rant about last week like if anyone wants to go back and listen to that like yeah. I, I am not a fan of the game awards but like the actual nominations there was the majority of them i haven't actually played so it's kind of yeah yeah i, I kind of i want to chip through like i really want to play um the uh the winner Death which is oh. takes two i i do want to play death loop at some point but i, I have a feeling that's going to come to game pass at some point and like dropping dropping money on that when i know it's going to become free eventually is kind of yeah, that's, that's the beauty of Game Pass, right? Yeah. All the, the detriment of it, like depending on your perspective. But I do want to play uh, It Takes Two with... Uh, I actually want to play that with Rachel because that would yes. be really... That's, that'd that's be a great game. Yeah, I'd like to get your input on that. And uh, yeah, that'd be interesting to see. Because I've heard... The only reviews I've heard is from couples playing it. So right. it seems like a proper good uh, like couples, couples game. So um, yeah, I won't be playing that then. <laughs> You can play with your boy. Like, he might enjoy it. He might enjoy it, yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably won't get, like, the story or anything, because I know it's about, like, a like a married couple or something that are going through, like, hard times. Oh, okay. I think that's what the story was, and it's about them, like, figuring, and, like, re-finding their, like, re-sparking their love for each oh, other. Oh, maybe I need to play that two years ago, then. Gosh. <laughs> Thanks, it takes two. Coming out late. <laughs> that's hilarious. But, yeah, I mean, I, that that's one I do want to play. But I, I do want to eventually get around to Psychonauts 2 as well because I know a couple of people that worked on that game mm. and 
it looks really interesting. And I think Tim Schafer needs like all of the uh, all the love he can get because that guy's mind is just messed up in all the right ways. So <laughs> we need more games like that. Yeah, I definitely that's on my uh, that's on my backlog for sure. Um, but what I did play. Although you can't really, I guess it is technically playing it, but it didn't feel like a play. It felt more like work or an exercise. Or it was the uh, the, the the Matrix Unreal. Um, mm. What's it called? The Matrix Awakening. Matrix Awakening. Unreal Five Engine Experience. Um, right. It was an Unreal Engine Five experience with a dash of Matrix. Let's put it that way. It's a tech demo, right? Like that's that's it's the impression that I got of it. Yeah. It's right. a tech demo with like a five minute bit where there's some quick time events. Yeah. And that's the matrix bit done. And then apart from that, it's got like the matrix soundtrack playing when you're in the city. It's like a tech yeah. demo where you you're in a city, basically. Can you like how how involved is this? Is it literally just like a tech demo that you sit back and watch, or is it like how much game players are actually involved in this demo? So I, I was unsure of this as well, and they didn't. The marketing didn't really make it very clear. So at first, you watch like a little Matrixy video, then it goes into Matrixy quick time event, then it goes into you are a Matrix character, but you're just walking around a city and you can drive around, and it's just a tech demo you know and then however long you spend in that city that's the majority of your time and i spent a lot of time in there and had a look and i had a good explorer and had a look at the different features and things and so so for me it was like 10 percent matrix and then like 90 percent exploring what the tech can do and exploring the city and seeing what unreal engine 5 can actually do and what it's capable of i you know i understand that they're selling a movie and there's money gone from the movie people to unreal engine 5 and unreal engine 5 want to show their tech demo and it's how to marry yeah. that up the the, the, the quick time event just was was just slapdash but just put together it was yeah it's a quick time event it doesn't belong in 2021 um but the actual <laughs> nuts and bolts of it's a hot city. take well yeah yeah the actual hot you know the the actual tech demo itself of unreal engine 5 and driving around and, and having a look in the windows, it was it was like one of those, oh, okay, this is what games are going to look like in the future uh, mm. sort of experiences. And it really did look like there's some new interesting things that are being shown off. Um, <clears throat> so when you're walking around the city, you can actually toggle all the different features. Well, not all of them, but a lot of the different features that um, Unreal Engine 5 are sort of showing off. So you can, um, the cars can just suddenly change to blobs to show you what their AI is doing because they've got a real world traffic AI and the blobs are all different colors and they're all doing different things. So that's quite interesting. And then you've got all these new things that they're showing off, which I can razz through now. So we've got world partition, which is automatic open world streaming. So World Partition automatically divides large maps into grids and streams the necessary cells, making it easier to build a merge massive open worlds like the city you can see in the demo. So we saw yeah, that we, we, before in the video. We kind of do we? that. Yeah, we kind of do that manually anyway, like in terms of like in games development, like most of the games I've worked on have actually been open world games. So like what like we refer to them as cells like all the time. And how it normally works, like you don't load like the entire world map of a game because that'd be insane like in terms of um, memory consumption on our console it would just tank it instantly it just wouldn't be able to do it so you have to basically 
cut it up into chunks. And then you, as you load in, like as you're crossing that threshold of one cell into another, like, so you've got two cells loaded up and then the second that you move into the next one, then it unloads the, last the one. other cell. Yeah. So you've only got like small sections of a, of, of an open world, like sort of loaded into memory at any one time. Um, so this is sort of, I guess, like they figured out a way that you can just make the entire map and it will partition it up for you automatically. Yeah. which is a huge time saver like that that's awesome like that's yeah. really cool I, i'm sure there'll be, still be people out there that want custom cells anyway depending on what game you're sort of making but like for a city like it absolutely makes sense to have an automated yeah. um partition of cells up so that's 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 actually really cool yeah so what it meant was you could be flat it was a really detailed city and um the resolution was really high the detail was insane and what it meant was you could fly really fast in the city like in camera mode like you could be flying along and it it was really crisp not well it was motion blur but you could see for a long a long way as well so right. i'm thinking that's what was happening there uh we've got nanite which is virtual micro polygon geometry yeah i've played so, around with this already yeah renders vast city environments at unprecedented level of detail from buildings with uh intricacy carved moldings and reliefs chain link yeah. fences what that basically means is that you can show a hell of a lot of polygons on screen at any one time now um mm. and it sort of compresses it in real time so what like this this is the biggest thing that's going to hit the games industry more than anything is nanite like a lot of people are focusing on uh, lumen which is like the lighting engine which you're probably going to mention in a minute yeah but um uh, nanite is like the by far like the biggest sort of it's gonna shift the industry like big time like and a lot of people don't like a lot of gamers like don't really realize that yet because like the way that the pipelines are sort of set up, how you have to, I mean, you'll know this, Chris, but how the pipeline actually is if you're making like a prop or a, like a character at the moment, you sculpt it in something called like ZBrush or something like that where you like it's really high density model and it's got millions upon millions of polygons. And then you do a process, what we call baking, which is like you bake it down to a much simpler model. And then that's what makes it into the game engine. Mm. Um, so you, and that can take all like the the cool detail that you've got and, and apply it to like a texture map instead of actually being proper geometry, and then you when you bake it down, then you can actually use it. But that whole process of like baking down is like a good fifty percent of the work for three D artists constantly working yeah. with that sort of stuff. Uh, what Nanite does is basically removes the need to bake anything, which is insane. Wow. It's like mind blowing. So you just like, do high, the, high poly mesh. Which is the fun bit as well. Artists like doing the high poly stuff. Like the low poly stuff is just, yeah. I mean, yeah. Some people which get is, which is twisted uh, enjoyment out of like, how do you expertly and make a low poly version of a high poly mesh? Yeah, I mean, then people are psychopaths. To yeah. be fair, let's be honest, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're insane. It's the same people that are like uh, UV unwrapping. It's like, who yeah. are you and why do you exist? Oh, I can't um, do like no, that sometimes. <laughs> uh, see, this is, you're you're a part of the problem. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, you're one of those weirdos. But yeah, I mean, Nanite just like being able to take raw sculptures. I mean, it's not going to be like that straight away. It's not like everyone's just going to completely remove bacon yeah, from no the pipeline. Making, it's, no it's, it's not going to happen. But by the end of this generation, I think we might be there, and definitely next gen, which is wow. crazy. Because what Nanite does basically, it just takes your raw um, sculpt or your raw like geometry, and then it sort of it, in real time, it sort of transfers it down, and then as you get closer to it, like the more geometry sort of pops in. Um, so, and it sort of works like what we call level levels of detail. Sorry to like 
probably losing gamers at this point. Like, what the hell are these guys even talking about? Yeah. Like, the level of detail, like, sort of decreases the further away you get on it's the like fly. A, th- a distance threshold, which changes how much detail is visible on the screen at any one time. Exactly. So, basically, like, to put this in layman's terms, is just it cuts out a whole section of mm. production pipeline sort of stuff, which no longer needs to be done, which mm. is amazing. Like, yeah. so this basically means spending more time on making games, more more time on making cool stuff. This actually saves us a bunch of time in development. I mean, it's still probably like five years off before we fully utilize this into our pipelines. rolled out to, to save time and money because, yeah, there's implementation time and cost. So, yeah. Yeah, and we're still, and we're still probably going to be baking stuff in and stuff for a while. Like, mm. I think our pipeline's still a f- efficient for most other engines and we can't just like completely switch to unreal for every single thing that we're doing especially like companies that have proprietary engines like ubisoft like activision places like this um so it's not it's not going to be overnight but i think over time this technology is a massive step forward for the industry it's huge it's absolutely insane yeah yeah, it's great news though and the fact that they're advertising this in a tech demo which means it's like this is for devs it's not really for gamers i mean yeah gamers can be impressed by it and to show where the where it's going but this was like a sure choose unreal engine 5 for your next project devs yeah that's what it yeah. was um but yeah you we'll mentioned all of our features because that's actually what's going to happen yeah but yeah <laughs> well yeah no in that respect it's kind of cool that they're doing it then like they're showing it like they're putting it there for everyone to see which is great um you mentioned lumen which is right yeah dynamic global illumination and reflections so lumen simulates light bouncing off all surfaces dynamically providing incredibly realistic uh multi-bounce indirect lighting skylighting reflections in a huge open world so this was um it was an outside city so there was no internal areas but you did have Mm. like underground like where you have uh, a bit like spaghetti junction where you had the overpasses with the with the uh traffic and so yeah you could tell that it was getting darker in, in and around those areas so that was kind of cool yeah uh chaos physics and destruction system high performance physics system there's not really much to say about that, I, that, yeah, nothing that I saw that... people stuff bounces you know yeah like there's it just means that you can do more physics simulations um at once now that's that's basically what it means yeah. but yeah i didn't see anything on the demo that was uh blew me away to be honest there was explosions and stuff but i was just like cool. if it's more yeah. efficient yeah cool it didn't look any more uh impressive um houdini integration so procedurally generated open worlds the the city is, in the experience is procedurally generated combining the power of houdini and unreal engine 5 which enables teams to work at speed and scale significantly reducing the number of people needed to create a large open world yeah. So that was kind of in- impressive. And um, it looked like everything had its own story. It looked like this shop here had, this is a this is a little shop. That's a little this, that's a little bakery. That's a little whatever. Sometimes you had a, little, a building that looked like a bank and then you looked in the windows and it had like the interior from like a supermarket and it was like, hmm, okay. And you know, it wasn't perfect. Like there was things popping and stuff like that. But if you're sat there paying attention to the city, you're not playing a video game. So all this yeah. stuff would just get brushed past if I'm like Spider-Man, for example, you know, swinging, trying to find a swing after a car. I wouldn't stop and look at if the name of the shop matched the interior. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is the big sort of uh, question internally for development studios anyway, for like AAA studios is like now that we're getting to the point where you can pretty much make anything and do anything in a game engine, um, we've got really no restrictions anymore. And like that 
brings in another question of like, okay, if you've got no restrictions, like how much work can you like do? Get away with and still sell it. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like it still takes time and ultimately money, like because it takes time to build this stuff out and put it into an engine. So like how how far is too much detail sort of thing? So Mm -hmm. you've got to, there's got to be ways to mitigate this. And I think this is where like, um, what's called like photo real scanning and stuff like that is really going to come into play over the next generation, which people are probably going to have their own problems with. But for developers, like it's a huge sort of step forward. Like the fact that we're making a realistic game, like being able to photo scan stuff, like being able to go into New York City and just scan in a bakery and then just changing one sign, throwing it into engine. Like we should, like gamers need to start accepting this as okay because like Mm. it's going to, save us time and money and effort and like ultimately it's going to make your games look better and you're going to get them quicker so like hopefully like people sort of preemptively like realize that the level of detail that we've got in these games are only going to get more and more but like we're going to have to start drawing them more and more from like real world otherwise it's just going to become detrimental to production almost so Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a huge conversation that we're having internally but it'll be interesting to see like how the industry sort of adapts to that problem I, th- I was thinking about this as I was playing it because um, I knew it was procedurally generated and there was a little quick time event and then there was no video game per se. There wasn't like missions or anything you had to do. You would mm. once the matrix bit finished, we wandering around. And I was thinking there's going to be a real emphasis on design. So it's going to be like uh, mission design and like where your base is or where you go and how you go about doing missions. There'll be a huge emphasis on design so the city can be can look as amazing as possible Mm -hmm. but it's still not going to be a fun experience if like you keep getting lost or if the flow of the level doesn't work or if there's a weird building in the way that's stopping gameplay like if it's a fighting game yeah and if if you've got a driving mission if the driving if if the layout of the city just isn't fun to drive in then that's not going to be great that's why i think some of the gta games are great because the layout of the city is all painstakingly thought out and it's really fun to to drive right. through and it's diverse and it changes and it's it's not all the same if you're getting a procedurally generated uh city you've got to make sure you're planning all that out because one of the things i did notice was that i was flying around and i noticed there was lots of off ramps on the roads but there was hardly any on ramps and me being me i was like if there are some people commuting in these skyscrapers they're going to have to get off uh, like way further back or way further on. They won't be able to go anywhere that they need to get to if they want to get to here. So there's like a long, there's like, but people get people getting on are going to have an easy time, but there's no off ramp. So you've got all that sort of stuff, like weird city planning stuff. But, but that relates to games design, because if you want to play a game and you've got to go down an off ramp, it's not going to feel as, there's that, you know, how real does it feel? How fake is it? You know, in, in GTA, for example, there was equal numbers of off-ramps and on-ramps and you could stay stick on the on the correct side of the road driving during a mission. And, um, you know, that would help you because you'd be going with the flow of traffic. So there's little little things like that, which... I'm, I'm, la- I'm laughing about this because, like, this, this is a problem, a very real problem which we have, uh, like, at Ubisoft, I guess. Like, when we were working on Watch Dogs Legion, there was a constant conversation about how condensed should we make London and like how, what changes should we make to London? Um, like in the road layouts and stuff. And it's really fascinating. Like the, cause like some of the roads are just 
but they because they're all designed by Romans and stuff, and they're all like all over the place, and they make ring roads and stuff like that just don't go to anywhere other than like one random little shop. Like yeah, you remove those sort of things, and how streamlined you make it, and how and the the ultimate reality is like you've got to get to the point where you make a recognizable place, but still is functional to gamers mm. to the point that it's not annoying. And it like and there's a really great video of. Um, a London cab driver, like a cabbie, like that um, drives around in, in Watch Dogs Legion. And he, because he knows like London off the back of his hand sort of thing. And he knows exactly where he is constantly. Yeah. It was really fascinating to watch him like drive through the streets. Like, oh yeah, I know exactly where I am. I'm on Piccadilly. I'm going to go like left here. Like, okay, yeah, I know where I'm going. And he was just driving around without the minimap and he knew exactly where he was going. But then he'd hit somewhere where it's like, that's not there in real life. And then it's like, but that does make, like I can actually get there quicker, so this actually is more efficient. Yeah, and stuff. And it was it was really interesting to see his perspective because like he has to constantly like take these weird side roads. Yeah, and think about like how to actually get to a, from A to B. But then we just like in the game made we just like easier. cut a road straight through and made it yeah. easier. And he was like, oh yeah, this is way easier to get to and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. But it, it's really really interesting like sort of conversation about that like the whole like you like there's there's definitely a point where you can be too realistic to the point that it's annoying yeah to a player i yeah. mean it might look amazing people don't want reality they keep asking for it but gamers don't want reality they want hyper reality. I, I they want condensed yep. user experiences they want it to be easier than reality um yep. so yeah that, that's where i think the future is going with this like there'll be more emphasis on design so like we're past yep. we're getting to that point where photorealistic is coming up and procedure generated cities and it's going to look amazing but really need to nail that that design and you know which is good which is great which which gets oh, yeah. to the point where it's the exciting tools, as well the tools are becoming more streamlined and 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 we can focus more on the art side of it which is great i agree really looking forward yeah. to that um where do we get to uh mass framework so crowd and traffic systems so yeah i mentioned that massive uh mass in unreal engines high performing solution to populate large worlds with vast amounts of simulated and interactive yeah, it's, it's basically um have you ever heard of if anyone's watched like the special features to like lord of the rings or whatever they have a they have a software program called massive yes which is each individual sort of element can just be spawned anywhere in the map and they have their own um their own brains basically that sort of wander around they like they know not to walk into each other and they know how to stick to the paths and things like that and they don't like cross the road or so they've got their own AI, but it's all like they're all individual like agents that aren't interacting with every single other thing. They're only interacting with things like in their own little bubbles. And it's sort of, I guess it's like an expansion of that sort of system, which huh. is in-game engines, super exciting. Like, it's really yeah. cool. And the people were all sick into the paths, like you would think, and uh, yeah, and the traffic flowed with no crazy problems. So that all worked yeah. really well. Awesome. Uh, and we've got Niagara Particle System. Uh Pretty particles. Pretty, pretty particles. Doesn't see right. it's just mumbo jumbo. Nothing there that's that's uh, out of the ordinary. Uh, meta humans next generation. Oh, I just hate the word meta. Like meta now, using anything. Ugh. Facebook has killed it. Yeah. Meta humans next generation digital humans. So populated by thousands of next generation digital humans, which have been built using meta human creator. So this could be one of those you know hit refresh until you get someone new sort of jobbies. Yeah, it's basically a. Um... It's it's basically a character creator for Unreal Engine. Like I've had to play around with it. Um, it's super interesting, but I think it's really going to explode when you get people making packs for you know, like you can like buy like 
different styled faces. Like, so you can get like a Ghibli um, character pack sort of thing and then make all the characters look like Ghibli characters. And you just like move the sliders, the head gets bigger, their eyes go up and down, all that sort of stuff, change their eye color and all. It's basically that, but on steroids, like it's, you can get really noodly with it and, and really get into fine detail, which is, which is really cool. But like, I, I do have the fear like everyone else is that all the characters are going to start to look a little bit samey. Mm. Um, but hopefully like a, a stylized, sort of uh, presets start coming out where like you can like a studio can make their own sort of style character and then they just plug it into meta human and then it they can go through all the sliders and it looks completely different to other people's meta humans yeah because you don't want that's studios to start all looking like they're the same i suppose yeah i mean that's the only thing but other than that it's crazy cool technology like mm. it's really nice to see like the next generation of uh, game engines absolutely yeah uh meta sounds procedural audio generation so yeah that's like assigning sounds to different bits and that did work really well when you're going up and down like the sound differently changed like crowd sounds up close when you're near people and then when you got higher that sounded more like a city hustling and bustling mm. in the background that, that worked really well so that was kind of cool that was kind of eerie that the sound really matched where you were at any one time and that's dynamic sort of thing yeah yeah that's cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've always we've always had like um, for to look behind the curtain, like whenever you have a gunshot or something in a game, um, you sort of have like three different versions of a gunshot. Like you have like the close gunshot, the the mid gunshot, and then the far gunshot. And like when it's far away, it sounds like a pop almost. It doesn't actually sound like a gunshot anymore. Um, when you're close, obviously, it's a lot louder and it's a bang sort of thing. So it's like we always have to make different versions. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see like how mm. they develop that out and, and if it can actually match like if you hear a gunshot far away will it sound like a pop and will certain things like actually dynamically do that that'd be really interesting to see yeah well, and cool. then will they go down the like realistic route where it guns firing off in the distance doesn't necessarily sound that dramatic are they going to go down the hollywood mm. route um yeah like explosions in space yeah. sort of thing it's it's like that whole conversation i guess yeah, it, it's it it is a really interesting conversation around that. I keep saying that expression, but it, it, they are like they they're all really interesting conversations. Um, but like the expectation of the viewer and the gamer versus reality is a constant thing you have to deal with. Uh, like you 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 think certain things sound a certain way, but in reality they don't sound like that at all. And mm. you've got to sort of you can't always go for reality. You have to actually present what the the ignorant assumption is of like the viewer or the gamer constantly. Mm. So like it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting to see like how we it was handle with this that technology. As an industry. Yeah, if the tools right. make it easier to do one thing or another, or or what what sort of pops out. Uh, if there's an override for it or something, yeah, <laughs> that'd be that'd be really cool. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, and what we've got here: temporal super resolution or TSR. So higher display resolution. So this was the cool thing where, yeah, you definitely could tell the difference between it was toggling off and on. Anti-aliasing solution, which helps vast amount of geometric detail to create super sharper, more stable images than higher before. So that's where you could like look down the street and then like everything was super crisp, really far away. It yeah. got to the point where that would then, while you're working with the level of detail, so where you're moving away, moving towards some buildings, if they had a certain like window pattern or if they they were certain or like darker window patterns with a bit of grunge texture on them or whatever sometimes right. they would look a bit bit they would jump between 
certain things, and I think it was something to do with the temporal uh, So it sounds like resolution. it looks like it's popping in almost. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Or there was something, there was only, you know, this just is me shift. scouring yeah. the, the city and really trying to look, um, just trying to figure out how, what it's actually doing and how it's working. It's super yeah, I guess that's what it's there for, though. I guess that's yeah. what the engine's there for. All the, that's what the demo is there for, is to like yeah. people so they can nitpick over it. And, yeah, fascinating. But, um, yeah, so it was really interesting. So I definitely highly recommend it. If you're, like, anyway inclined into game engines or game dev, then I would totally check it out because it's it's great for that. If you're not into Matrix, don't worry about it. It's, like, over in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then you can get to the good stuff and, like, have a wander around in this, in this amazing space. So that's like no other video game that exists so it's a completely unique experience yeah. um so yeah it's definitely something worth mentioning i'm glad we had a chance to talk about it and uh, it's interesting Absolutely. when was the last time this sort of thing has happened by a big by a big dev like there's no frostbite to like yeah hey, i mean check there's, this there's, out. there's always there's always like tech demos every gem but like very rarely are they playable that's the mm. thing that's sort of different like they normally show stuff off like they, i remember like one of the the tech demos for the ps3 like they they had two de tech demos that really made waves um and that's the thing about these things as well like they, they do make waves to the point that people want to actually want to play these things sometimes so it's so good that they snubbed that out by actually making the uh the tech demo playable in this one mm. but uh in the ps3 they had um a final Fantasy 7 remake tech demo and that's what sparked the whole like Final Fantasy VII remake uh, conversation. Right. Um, they they showed like this what Final Fantasy VII would look like on the PlayStation Three, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, why you just make this more?" And then just, it just never ended. Like it, they just kept hammering Square Enix until they finally submitted and actually made that game. And the next one was uh, the uh, the tech demo, which eventually became uh, Become Human, uh, Detroit Become Human. Right. It was the tech demo for that, um, and that was on PS3, and that was like she was just it was this girl being constructed as a robot sort of thing, like as an android, like in like being prepared for packaging and sent out to whatever, and like they're having a conversation with her, doing diagnostic sort of a test with her to sort of check it out. Amazing tech demo and a really good like piece of storytelling as well, like within like a five minute period, like it's really interesting, and I totally understand why like you know um quantic dream eventually made that game yeah uh so it was absolutely fascinating so they're always they, they're always there and they always make waves and they always make a splash but it's really cool to see them playable because yeah. it's not just this is what games are gonna look like this is like how they're actually gonna look gonna in game yeah and you can you can play with it and change stuff and 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 you know like flick things on and off just to see like how it's actually working you can really diagnose like how these um, how these things are actually working, which is it's exciting to sell it. It's really cool. We should definitely be doing this more often. Yeah. Uh, the, the only things that were missing for me is that there was there was no... You could toggle on a day and a night cycle in like a little fly past. So it would. there was a right. section where the camera was just flying through and you had no control over it. And it, it was telling you about all this stuff and you could toggle it on and off. And yep. in the actual tech demo, you couldn't change it between night and day. But when you're flying over it, you could change it between night and day. And it had that. Right. I would love to have... You can change the position of the sun, but there was no up or down. So it was just rotation. Like the sun angle was rotating. And it would change yeah. the shadows in the city. And that was kind of crazy to see. Um, but yeah, the only thing that was missing was like weather system and yeah, day-night cycle that I could have a look and 
play with. But, you know, what I got was absolutely fine. And the fact that nothing really like this has happened before is shows that, it's, yeah, I'm happy with fine. that. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, speaking of uh, green-tinted things... Oh, uh, nice segue. Well, you said nice segue, so you completely made it redundant, Chris. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so there was there was an exciting um, announcement uh, this week, which uh, you wanted to talk about, which was uh, the Splinter Cell remake. Finally, finally, finally came about. People have been asking for this for a while. Yes. Um, you're a fan of the original game. I was a fan of the original game. I remember playing it on the original Xbox um, with the original controller with the black and white buttons. The Duke. The Duke. The Duke controller. Uh, like, yeah. uh, you know, a testament to handheld design it's, you know it's probably up there in like design point of interest of throughout history of holding things <laughs> i think <laughs> um i remember playing this like as a young lad and i was just thinking wow this is so cool i like mm. it, it was like the looking at the light and looking at the shadows and using light and shadow in the gameplay and methodical and it wasn't run and gun it was uh but the, the fact that this was the first time any of those things all came together all in one game, yeah. it was properly groundbreaking and it was unique. And it's a, it was a watershed moment in gaming, um, you know, and the whole stealth thing hadn't really been done up until then in a third person Yeah, uh, I mean, there was, there was other, there was, there was elements of games. Metal Gear that have stealth. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But not in the way that utilized light in the same way. Um, yeah. So their tagline was it uh, stealth action redefined or was it is that what it was stealth mm. something redefined yeah it's something like that I remember yeah I think it really sort of stood up to that with this game uh, which was ballsy but like you, half the time you're running around in shadow and you've just got a light on your back showing you where you're going it's kind of like if you'd pitched that back in the day when there was nothing like that existed. You'd think, well, there's no market for it. How are we ever going to sell this thing? Yeah. And, um, I really I really love that game. And it was one of those games where it was like, damn, I love gaming. Like, damn, this is what the industry can do. This is so unique and fresh. Um, so, yeah, I'm super psyched that they've announced it. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, I mean, it's uh, like a lot of people have been asking for it. That's for sure. Christ, they haven't really shut up about it over the past year. So. <laughs> I well, think this is like the bone has been thrown at Yeah. Like, All right, Christ, get off us, you know? Yes. <laughs> so. I was going to say, you obviously can't really say too much because you work for Ubisoft. But my, right. what my opinion of this is, uh, is that Ubisoft didn't want to do anything with Splinter Cell. They, they saw the numbers, they weren't selling. Um, and this is a throwing a bone just because of the Twitter people, like throwing them a bone. Because the trailer, announcement trailer came out and, and there's nothing. It was just literally like, we've just started doing this. And here's the video for it. Like it's early, yeah, it's, it's very so early. so early that there's literally nothing to show, and it's a remake of of yeah the original Splinter Cell, and um, I don't know about you, but I remember watching it and thinking this was like the most next gen thing I've ever seen. It looks so photorealistic. It's like real life, and then I'm watching back the video and I'm like, oh my god, it's not like that at all. Yeah, nostalgia is a very very powerful thing. Yes, That's the uh, I I I go through the same thing all the time as well, and um. Oh, what you call it? This like old like PS One games like like people. Whenever you have a conversation about uh, Tenchu, that's that's one. 
on the PS1, everyone's like, oh man, Tenchu is a great game, like stealth action, like you can jump from rooftop to rooftop and you're a ninja and you can like jump down. And then, but then if you have conversations with people that have played it within the last couple of years, sort of thing, like gone back and played the PS1 version of Tenchu. Yeah. God, that game is awful. Like it's really, <laughs> really poor. Like just the way you control the characters and like what you actually do and all that sort of stuff. Like nostalgia is like, leave it in the land of nostalgia. I yeah. Say, sort of thing. But I, I mean, I hope that, because this is done by Ubisoft Toronto, which um, did Watch Dogs Legion. They've done they've done a, a couple of Assassin's Creed games as well. Um, they've definitely got the expertise and the experience to do it. Yeah. Um, I'm really really excited to see what they do do with it because you know like it's it's a much beloved sort of franchise. But yeah, I, I'm I, I can totally understand the perspective of like this is just to settle the uh, the Twitter people down. Like uh, yeah, I can totally see that. Why, I think it why is people yeah, think that way. To give them a bone as it were to like shut them up for once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I the, the weird thing is like I'm not really like a big Splinter Cell guy that much. Like yeah. I I played it back in the day, but it was like yeah, that was a fun game, and I just put it to side and then never mm. really played them. And I think the majority of people are. That's probably why the numbers might have gone down because they just like were chipping away through like every iteration. Yeah. Blacklist apparently did really well, but. Hmm. Yeah, for the most part, I don't think. Chaos. I, I, mean, I did play Chaos so Theory, and I remember it being okay. I remember not feeling. I remember noticeably feeling this doesn't feel the same as other Splinter Cell games. It just right. I couldn't pinpoint it or what it was. There was no criticism that I could find. It just didn't have the same feeling as I felt when I played the first ones. Could well have been just the fact that I wasn't like a teenager, like just hyped up on adrenaline <laughs> right. and just going, "Oh my god, check out the graphics!" Like. It could be something as simple as seeing what yeah. that console could do um, with lighting. Yeah, back in time. like 2000, 2002, 2002, whenever it came out. It? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that makes me feel really old now. It's a long time ago, man. I mean, it's almost 20, 20 years, years ago. old at this point. Yeah. Wow. It's bananas, okay. right? So, it, yeah, I mean, this is the thing, like if they, because they can make it look amazing and all that sort of stuff, AAA values and all that sort of stuff, that, that'd be great, but... Like how will how will they sort of how's the levels update the gameplay and the, the level the design and right because level design twenty years ago is you know notoriously bad for well, the most part because well, we were still figuring stuff out it was new right yeah so, I mean they, they had and you know the limitations of the console as well so it, you can have a good design but it's got to fit within the what the console is able to render at any one time so you can't absolutely have yeah. loads of stuff so. So with that being said, are they going to go around the reimagining route? Are they going to just retexture everything? Are they going to pull a are they going to pull a GTA and 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 you know, get some bad press for it? Are yeah. they I mean GTA GTA was a bit of a weird one because it was outsourced for the most part. Yes. Um, it was we got Toronto doing like, this one. So hopefully there should be yeah. some people that know so they're one doing of, the one recharge. of the one of the major sort of Ubisoft studios are looking after this, and hopefully they they take good care of it because mm. I, I think it deserves it, and fans apparently are asking for it. So yeah, we'll definitely see them. Yeah, I think I'll pick this up because it'll just be even if it's just like the trip down memory lane sort of thing with like oh I remember oh, yeah. like it's like walking into a room because there'll be levels I know which had an impact on me that I'll play them again and it'll just be like I forgot this trigger something until now yeah. and that in, just has a release of endorphins at the same time. It's brilliant. So. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, really looking forward to that. So I'm happy that that Twitter. No, I'm not really happy about the Twitter trolls, but they won this round. <laughs> Twitter wins this round. Yeah. Twitter wins this round. Twitter wins yeah. this round. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, not much to talk about, even though this is the, on the thumbnail and the title of the the episode. Um, yeah. Trip down memory lane. Yeah. 
Um, but there's not really much more to talk about because it's just so early in. Yeah, I, the only there is one other thing that I want to mention, like in the in the line of um, of Xbox. Anyway, uh, I I sat down over the over yesterday, like before before I started playing Halo. Like I woke up in the morning and I came across the um, there's a documentary series put out by Xbox. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's called uh, Power on Xbox, and it's it's basically about the history of Xbox and how it came about, like as a project. Wow, and it's. They are not short. There's like six episodes of it so far, I think. I'm, I'm not sure if it's like actually finished because I haven't finished the series. But the six episodes so far, and they're like 40 minutes each. Um, I blasted through three of these yesterday. Absolutely fascinating. I highly recommend everyone go and check it out, even if you're not an Xbox owner, but it, it gives you like a look behind the curtain of like how they, how that thing came about. And it's kind of amazing, like the the stories that come out of like the, the boardrooms with Bill Gates and stuff and like kind of how utterly clueless like Microsoft were about the games industry and how like this very, very small team of guys figured this thing out to actually get it to market and just like the the trials and tribulations of like the Red Ring of Death on the 360 and things like that, just yeah. like learning about all of that sort of stuff. Highly, highly recommend it. Like people should go and check it out, even if you're not an Xbox owner, because it's 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 game and history and it's, it's really fascinating. I, I can't recommend it enough. I think I've seen articles being advertised about behind the scenes of the red ring of death like the fig they've explained how and why it happened and i'm guessing it's a culmination of a few different bits and pieces which led led to that happening i got the red ring of death back in the day it was almost like a badge of honor by the end of it especially because the (laughs) shops were so good at um well you know they got used to being really good at getting replacements um sure yeah so that's fair you know and that was in the uk at least in any any case uh i'm not sure it was like a, a broader or anywhere else but uk but you know saying that uk have got really good um consumer laws so you can't absolutely sell 40 product and and get away with it in the uk so yeah yeah it, like absolutely fascinating documentary though so far like i'm really really enjoying it and i hope that we get more of them from the other studios it's a lot harder with things like sony and stuff like that obviously because it's japanese and trying to track all them developers down and and, and think about it. but I would love to just like see that sort of stuff because you always see like snippets of this and in, in interviews and stuff like they sit Phil Spencer down like hey tell us about the history of Xbox and it's very like one-sided not like in a market and sense all and like that just like he only knows so much about it but yeah. this documentary is really good because it it tracks down all the core people that were actually a part of the project and it gives their all sort of collective uh, mindsets about what was going on and and just yeah yeah really really fascinating piece of history and i hope like we get we get more of this especially from nintendo and and um playstation it'll be yeah really cool to see i'd love to see all that that'd be really interesting because you know there's good stories in those uh, you know you know there's some juicy info and yeah 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 that'd be good to see i'm looking forward to that what what is that on what platform uh it's on youtube um and it's free like you can just you can watch it wherever you want i think it's also on like if you power up your xbox at some point i'm sure like it's in a menu somewhere so you can check it out but absolutely fascinating like really really great um little documentary series can't recommend it enough i'll check that out um i guess speaking of stories we have got um yeah you've got one right i've got a story so yeah i i wanted to take a bit of time to give you my my one of my anecdotes, I've got two, and this is one of my anecdotes. Um, and I'll give you the the reason behind I'm giving the anecdote. It's because recently I've uh, 
it's come about via Twitter. So I'll give you the story. I'll start okay. again. So there's no, it's not for no reason. It's not like this is something that happened like 10 years ago, but it's come about again because of Twitter. So uh, imagine a fresh faced me and Vin at uni together. <laughs> We're talking about it. Still am. In Norwich. Still am, you um, are. But, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Norwich University of the Arts, um, and we're doing our degrees and dreaming about Assassin's Creed and all the different places and genres that Assassin's Creed could be set in. Um, while Vin's making Assassin's Creed Japan, I was um, I picked up a copy of Imagine FX magazine from the newsagents from W. H. Smiths in Norwich, mm. and uh, because it was a Star Wars special. <clears throat> so there was a Star Wars special on there. So they had different articles all, all to do with uh, Star Wars. So they had a 3D render of how to how to do a 3D model of Darth Vader and what shaders to use and how to render it and things like that. Yeah. And um, there was this article on an artist, Warren Fu, and he was uh, he was a he was a director by the end of the prequels. So the Star Wars prequels. Uh, I think he started as like a concept artist, and then he made his way up to like a director on the. Uh, <laughs> uh, like an art director of, of sorts on the prequels. He's now a, um, a music video director, which is pretty cool. Anyway, yeah. on the uh, article about his work, there was this image that as soon as I saw it, I just sort of fell in love. And I was just like blown away by this design. And it was of like, I think he called it a sky fighter. And um, it's a spaceship design that um, was actually greenlit by by George. So he gave it the, the stamp and it was, it was you, it was given the green light to use in, in Canon. Yeah. And, um, I just thought, oh man, I need to model this. So I was just green with 3d modeling. Maya was my, uh, 3d modeling program of choice. And I just set about wanting to, to model this. And so I, you know, as a fresh faced, uh, naive 20 something, I started modeling and I'll post my progress on, on Twitter and, I didn't check to see if Warren had a Twitter, um, but I put his name in it and he must have searched for his name or it got a notification or a Google notification. Yeah, or something. you set up Google alerts. For Google this alerts. Like, a, like it's not, it's not a, um, what's called like an egotistical thing whatsoever. It's just to check to, to see that people aren't stealing your stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Happens all the time. So yeah. like I've, I've got them set up for mine and I get pinged by it like once or twice a week and yeah. like stuff just, Seeps out everywhere. So yeah, I've got but, politicians and people that work in charities and stuff. That's my name. I must, yeah, I guess that's, <laughs> that's the kind of name. I mean, Chris Jarvis is quite a quite a. It's a very British name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like I think there's one Australian, but yeah, that's that's painfully British. Like uh, I've got the first name of Vincent at least, so I don't like. I'm a little less common. Or Vin is even even less even common, less common. Vincent. yeah so uh, like i'm I've, i'm kind of lucky in that respect but i can imagine you would get pinged a lot <laughs> i work with cre three i work with three chris's and there's actually someone else that i work with another jarvis so yeah it's pretty common right <laughs> so yeah um anyway back to the story so i tweeted yeah. my progress of this of this star wars sky fighter and um i mentioned that it was warren foo's design um, and then he just out of the blue, like contacted me was like, Hey, this looks, this looks cool. Like, me know if you need any like help with it or anything, you know? And I was just, to me as like a young kid that loves Star Wars still do. And to get this message back just from tweeting, uh, like my progress was, it just made my day. It just was right. so amazing. I was just like 
on cloud nine. And like every time I think about it, it's like my happy place. I just go back to that moment where you get that message and you read it and you're just like validated by someone that you just admire. It's just amazing. Um, so from that, he, he, you know, he helped me so much in my degree. So this is the whole point of the story. So mm -hmm. to any people that might be, um, you know, in artistic degrees or, or studying or, you know, in pursuit of something artistic, the moral of this story before I tell the rest of it is like, make sure you tweet artists, people that you admire and people you respect, uh, tweet them, use Twitter and tweet them. If you're doing work that's inspired by them, or if you're using work that's by them, totally tweet the heck out of them because some yeah. good stuff can happen. And that happened to me. So he would, I'd be sending him my, my work in progress, my whip. I'd be like, this is what I've done. Cause I was just using this one image at first. He then mm. had like uh, net net images. So he had like a top down version and he sent me that so I could use that for reference, which was invaluable. Um, and like a side profile and um, the, what they call Greeble, which is like the, uh, the things they use to get scale, which is like the, uh, what they call boilerplate. So um, Star Wars is all about boilerplate. So everything's a work in progress and everything's used and everything's a bit broken and everything's a bit messy. Although this yeah. is from the prequels when everything was a bit more flashy. So it was a bit more 50s styling. So a bit more chrome, a bit more um, yeah. stylized. It still had... It's before, before the collapse of the Before the, the collapse Empire, of the so Empire. So. Yeah. yeah. So in this, yeah, this this Star Wars Skyfighter, in on the back where the droid is, there's Greeble. Uh, and so that's what he called it. And he, he'd get me some, he'd show me some reference images and show me some designs. And, you know, so he did some, either pulled up images that he already had or did some extra work for me to help me in my degree. This helped my degree no end because I had so much drive and ambition to 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 do a good job on this project. So this is a project that I wanted to do for myself, which helped with my degree, um, because our degree was very good at being free and being able to choose our own sort of personal projects. Like, because yeah, we kind, doing... kind of to a fault almost. Like it was kind, kind of like of. the. the... The blue sky, um, you can do whatever you want, sort of thing. And yeah. I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And then you actually sit down and look at the blank page and you kind of like, well, what do I do? Crap, what do I do? What the hell am I going to do with this? Yeah. So, yeah. So, this was perfect because what, what was happening is Warren was acting as the games, he was acting as an art director and he was directing my 3D work from a 2D artist's perspective. So, he had the idea and he knew exactly what this should look like. And I was just doing my impression of what I think it would look like in 3D space. And obviously, yeah. We don't have the different camera lenses and you know, perspective and warping and all that that sort of stuff. It all comes into play when you when you're doing three D modeling. So um, he would like send me notes and he would like put red lines over everything and like, that yeah, needs to be give you shorter. Our direction. <clears throat> that right. needs to be longer. And it was perfect. It was just like exactly what what I think it's like an industry. I never actually properly got into the industry anyway, but it was still the brilliant experience that. Yeah, I, it's a, it's a great it's a great learning curve, and I, I yeah. mean, it's I I don't want to hijack like the the conversation whatsoever, but like I've no. definitely been on the other side of that as well. Like I've I've been like the person that's been contacted by randos online, like hey, I'm making a 3D model version of your thing. Like, can you give me feedback and stuff? And I've I've absolutely gone through that process of a couple of people. Actually, um, probably show you one of them. Yes. Which was uh, I've got like a few instances from this one concept anyway, which is the the uh, Last of Us chair, which I did, um, which was like the I want to see like a main menu with the Last of Us Part Two. Like this was 
years ago though. It was like two years before the game even came out. It was leaked, wasn't it, on on YouTube as leaked. well as yeah. the menu for The Last of Us Two. Yeah, and what well, like one of the most prevalent of the people that sort of contacted me about this one in particular was uh, a guy called Martin Hoff. He he contacted me and he was like, I want to make a 3D version of the chair and I want to like do it properly sort of thing. Um, and then there was another person not too long ago, which I'll get into as well in a minute. But he was he wanted to build out in 3D as close as he could. And he got it like pretty much one-to-one by the end. But like wow. as we were, like as he was sending me these things, and he animated it as well. It's like all the leaves and stuff were fluttering on the side of the oh, chair. Oh, wow. And yeah, That's it, looked, cool. it, looks, it looked really cool. And then he did like different sort of um, lighting and stuff uh, for a, like a night and day version, like the dust particles moving and stuff. And, and I was just going back and forth and actually him figuring out. Like it was a really good practice for me. And it was probably what he was doing at the time as well with you was he was probably – practicing being an art director almost yeah you know and, and like that stuff is important as well for them uh, as it is for you because yeah. like you're if you're just a junior like trying to break into this sort of stuff and it's just you're trying to get used to getting feedback with like the you get the images back with the red lines on them like little arrows pointing like yo no remove this all the blue circles like this is great like do more of this yeah um like that stuff's invaluable like it's and it's really important that's why but the thing that people forget more than anything is that when you contact these people online or you reach out to them, nine times out of ten, they're generally nice people. Like mm-hmm. they're not, they're not like this. People have this weird sort of skewed image of the games industry and the movie industry of like everyone's like this gated community, right? And it's really not. Yeah. Like if you just if you ask questions, which is that's the main thing which I always hammer home about when students sort of like message me. Um, Ask questions. Always ask questions. Don't ever just be like, "I'm a fan of your work," and they're just gonna be like, "Yeah, cool, thanks." Like, uh, yeah. I mean, they, they, Get, we see that a lot. Got and it's information not... that you can tap, and they're a resource yeah. that you can use, as well as the people at university. Like, people in the industry can be tapped because they were. Everyone was at your point. Everyone was studying, exactly. or everyone was aspiring to be where they are. So, everyone in the industry at least can, you know, can have two cents for Joe blogs that's trying to get there, I think. Um, But yeah, coming back to the story. So that, that was awesome. And it helped me with a degree and I got a really good grade. um, And uh, I did like a, I never actually got around to, to, to UVing it or, or texturing it. I just ran out of time because it's coming up to end of third year. Sure. So just ran out of time and I was doing a group project. So I did a a video game level in Unreal Engine three. So that was, that was kind of cool. Um, then, like six months go by, I like graduate and I'm working. Uh, I'm working as like a, a, a digital artist for uh, the Sunday Times. Awesome job, by the way. Which is so much. I learned so much on that job. It's crazy. And um, yeah. a friend of my brother's was working for um, Coral, and he's invited me along to the to the premiere of the launch of Coral Draw, which is kind of like Adobe Illustrator, but no one's ever heard of it. <laughs> and it didn't Not do involved. very well yeah yeah and yeah. um so i went along as a, a, a vlogger um so i had a badge that said i was a vlogger which is interesting cool, cool. which yeah. i'm not but i'm a i'm a podcaster now so that's cool so you know it was kind of there it was you know full circle yeah, yeah. full circle and um, preemptively the, i got talking to some people and there was like some directors of imagine fx magazine mm-hmm. so i was in a room with the people 
that was in charge of putting together the magazine that I picked up, which where I saw the image of the Skyfire that I started to model. And then Warren had like contacted me to, to mention it. Um, and that just blew me, blew me away that that kind of came full circle, that I could thank the people that, that put that together and thought that that would be a good idea. Like, oh, let's do They were saying like, yeah, we, we haven't done something Star Wars in a while. Why do we do a whole edition of Star Wars? And that just came about that way. And yeah, I got to show them my, I had my iPad with me, which had my um, portfolio on. And so I could show them the work that I did off the back of that image and that article as well. So that was kind of cool for them that they could see that what they're doing has an impact on what students are making and, and what they're deciding to do as well. And that it all feeds into each other and and that these people meet each other and talk about it and they have that experience. It was just yeah. crazy. It was like absolutely The industry crazy is thing. tiny, man. It's The industry is really, really small. Like, uh, I mean, I probably, I think I've mentioned this before, but like the, the games industry in particular, it's probably only like, it's less than 100,000 people worldwide, which is a tiny fraction of the amount of what you, like is in normal production. Like even in things like Lord of the Rings, right? There's only like a thousand people working on that movie. Yeah. At, at peak, you know, like, so, uh, and you think, wow, a thousand people, that's a lot of people. But then you think, okay, that's a thousand people in all of New Zealand. And many of them were probably Americans. It's like, okay, that's, that's actually a really small fraction. If you sort of expand that out to other films that don't have a special effects, that don't need design work, like it gets even smaller and smaller and smaller. So what yeah. that ultimately results in is that everyone is in the same loops. Like you can, it's like the the game of like Kevin Bacon or whatever it is, like where you can get to Kevin Bacon within seven, like seven people. Seven people now. removed from Kevin Bacon. Yeah. That, that was the one. Like in the games industry, you can probably cut that down to three. Easy. Yeah. Like if, if so, and film is probably pretty similar as well. So, it, and what that results in is like, people are really good at talking to each other and being communicative and, and when you contact these people like you did, like nine times out of 10, they're just, they're willing to help. Yeah. Especially if you ask questions and you're just being polite and nice and like, hey, I'm really, like, I want to learn. Yeah. This is the thing that I want to do. Can you please just like, give me a hint of like how to get to it? Like, obviously don't be too vague, but like, how do I break into the games industry? Push, yeah. Sort of thing. Like, get out of here, man. Like, we've that's, answered that that's in the not, video. If you can go back right. to one of the clips, I think we've, we've mentioned yeah. that. <laughs> and when it, like, there's certain questions which I now just like, I'm, Kind of like you have to get blase about after a while because you're just like I, just, I cannot answer this question anymore and it's 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 how do I break into industry and um what brushes do you use in photoshop like th those two questions I just want to pick them up and throw them out like of the window and just like go away you like, should do a not... youtube video on your youtube channel <laughs> these are the brushes I do for you, for photoshop and then just yeah. refer them copy to, paste send, copy send. paste the link yeah yeah and people do that and that's yeah. probably why like the most uh, popular sort of like <laughs> artist videos of them stupid like questions of well not stupid questions they're not stupid like, man they're just they're not stupid yeah they're just yeah it's just information repetitive. that a lot of people want to learn and it hasn't yeah. got through to a lot of people that's all it is yeah it's 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 too vague of a question that's the problem yeah it's it's like how do i break into if, the industry it's like every artist that question they'll all give you a different answer for all different right. reasons yeah exactly and that's it, what it, you need to it's teach the same yeah it's the same question as um, like, how do you cook food? Yeah. And it's like, well, uh, okay. A better what, question do, would be, do, how, how do I go about finding my Photoshop brushes? Yes, exactly. Like, uh, and, and the answer to that question, by the way, is 
like it depends quote unquote like that's it <laughs> oh thanks Ben it that's depends great. full stop and it, it's kind of like you you just need to find your own or make your own or don't use them at all like I, I know a bunch of concept artists that only use the round brush that comes default with Photoshop because every time they move gigs or move jobs they don't they have to don't walk have around. any brushes yeah right they don't have to like reinstall because like some companies might only have Photoshop like cs and then other ones might have cc or like they might they have different versions of photoshop that don't use all the same brushes and also so like to them it's just easier to just like okay i'll stick with the defaults and 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 screw it like it'll always be there for what i need don't have to worry about installing anything i can just work straight away no problems um that's the answer is like everyone has different brushes and you get to a certain point in concept art where it's like what brush you use really doesn't matter anymore Mm. whatsoever but like students get it into their head like really early that hey i need a certain brush to be good yeah and that's like that is not the reality of it whatsoever yeah yeah and that's the wider question of like whenever i get asked that i'm just like i automatically know that they're quite green and they don't really understand like how the industry works and all that so like it tells me a lot of information about the person that's asking that question Mm. because like you wouldn't ask that question if you were in industry because it's just kind of like yeah, it really doesn't matter what you use. <laughs> like yeah. It's kind of use whatever you want. It's kind of like what it's like when people ask you constantly as a 3D artist, like, hey, what software do you use? It's like whatever works, whatever the studio has. Yeah. Like they they might not have licenses on Maya. They might only have licenses for 3DS Max or they might just use Blender full time. So it's kind of like you have to learn them all at this point. Um, so yeah, it's, it's bizarre, but it's the way of the industry. I, I, can't, I can't even remember why I got into this, but yeah. Well, the moral of the ask story the right is questions. Yeah, ask questions, ask the right questions, and yeah, pester people in the industry. Be nice, and you'll find that a lot of them are good, and it will help your work. Like that experience Absolutely. helped my work no end. Like I learned so much on that project. It was a project that I wanted to do. It was a project that meant something to me. It wasn't just like, what do I do for uni? I don't know. I guess I'll do a building that didn't really yeah it's real yeah it's it real and and getting that feedback of like the like the red pen over like your your ideas and yeah. just been some like cut this change that because you don't really get you too much of that in that. uni yeah they can't no. like because there's too many people for one and secondly it's just kind of like they they might not be art directors they in can't that, they can only guide you they can't capacity. direct you they can't say you have to do this and you right. have to do that because the whole point of uni is that it's self-learning and you have to discover it and put the work in yourself if if the tutors started saying do this do that change this change that it's yeah. accurate to what we're you know the real student uh, the real studio life is but it, it's not really what a tutor should do but yeah, yeah. It's I, like what you said, they should find, you know, the students should be finding out the answers themselves. That's that's how they learn. Yeah, I think the main the main problem which people have, especially students anyway, is because they are terrified of that first instance of getting proper feedback. Like they're, they're actually really frightened of that almost. Okay. And it's, I don't remember that. I, I remember just like laugh, like giggling like a little girl, like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, but yeah, maybe it's because it was that, for yeah. someone like Warren Fury, that absolutely, yeah. you know, like yeah. the, like the guy's a superstar, right? He so, drew over my um, picture, <laughs> like right, and that that in particular is something that is terrifying to some people because like yeah. they're terrified of people come getting back to them, and be like, yeah, you should really quit. You're not that good. Yeah, that's what they're ultimately scared of. That that would never happen for one. Secondly, yeah. um, you've got to get over that hump at some point or another, and the sooner you do, from a professional like 
Warren Fu or someone else yeah. like in the industry, like the second that you get that first round of feedback, it's usually like, even if your concept is absolutely awful or your 3D object or whatever you're working on is God awful, the people replying to you will never straight out say that. They'll say, yeah, it looks good, but you can do this to like really improve it. And they'll give you a list or they'll draw over it or whatever. And then that is the part that you really need to focus on. Yeah. Like, okay. That actually reminds me of another anecdote where I sent um, Tim Searle and he did some, he worked on the Beano for years. He did, he came to a, he came to do a uh, talk. He's actually from my hometown. And I remember like had this weird, had this again, another small world. So I had this weird moment where I was sitting in in uni in in the lecture hall and he was saying, yeah, I was from, from Stony Stratford. I was like, I'm from Stony Stratford and like set up this animation studio. It's like, there's an animation studio in Stony Stratford. I didn't even know that. And he, yeah. he worked with Steve Coogan on uh, something with animals. I'm not an animal. It's like okay. a 2D animation uh, program years and years ago, like early, early noughties or yeah. And um, yeah. And so I got talking to him and I sent him like an animation, uh, a 3D animation that I did of like a, our, do you remember our gods? project we had to make gods vaguely so we had to make gods i think it was in 3d i'm not sure if it was in 2d it might have been 2d or 3d but we had to make gods and it was Mm. part of a competition as well and i made like this god of technology and it was all made of cogs and stuff um and uh i sent him this walk cycle (laughs) and it was so so imagine like uh, you know a second or third year student like doing their first ever walk cycle like they've made a character they've rigged it themselves I can, I, yeah i, I can imagine their first terrible walk cycle. it's terrible yeah. and i sent him this <laughs> like as someone who is in charge of you know is a director and he's like you know in charge of people i was like what do you think and he was so nice because he said it looks great it looks like he it looks great if he's walking in like outer space or something like that. If he's like walking on the outside of a spaceship, like he didn't say this is dog shit, which it was. <laughs> he didn't say this is terrible. Stop trying to animate. Do something else. You know. Yeah. He said, "Don't quit your day job." It looks like this. <laughs> Try adding a bit more uh, up and down movement. Like when you're walking with gravity, there's a lot of up and down movement. The hip bone mm. goes in a circle if you're looking at it uh, in profile. So look at all those. And he gave me so many cool little hints and tips, but he didn't say what I did was terrible, which was just yeah. thinking I mean, back. The, now I know it was terrible. At the time, I was like, oh my God, I did an animation. So yeah, yeah it, it's all about it's all about stoking that fire of, of, of excitement and uh, possibility rather than um, like stifling yeah, it up and it out for sure. So yeah, encourage, encourage the 20-somethings. Yeah, I mean, I yeah it's tough because like even in industry like people sort of pussyfoot their way around um certain like feedbacks and stuff because like sometimes you just need to be like out front of it and just be like yeah no this isn't exactly what i'm looking for sort of thing because like when you're a student it's very much you're focused on like the quality of the like the art itself and how it looks and how good it looks but like when you shift into industry itself when you're working on films or games or tv or whatever like when you're working in production anyway it changes because you're no longer working on the quality of like how the thing actually looks. You're, you're working on a design. It needs to be used by someone like, and it needs to be what the director wants because you can make someone look absolutely amazing and it looks great. But to the, to the art director or whatever, it's like, yeah, but that's, it looks great, but it's not what I want. Like I wanted X, Y, and Z. And that, that's 
that transition to that is like one of the hardest things for mm. students to get around. And like that helps a lot when you talk to industry people more than anything, because you're constantly getting feedback when you first start out about how to improve, like how good something looks. But then when you start switching over to design aspect, that's when you really need to get like feedback from an, an actual person in industry and just be like, okay, what should I do with this? Like, what would your vision be for this? And like, how can I change this to actually work within uh, the context of whatever project I'm working on? Mm. And it's, it's, it's always really, really cool to, to do that sort of stuff. Like I, I'm doing a mentorship right now with um, a student from Norwich and she's working on sort of like a game idea and just having someone that not because like without like having someone to have that direct input, she's just basically going in circles about what looks good but she, she's not really thinking about the design of it sort of thing. So if someone else has got like an opinion about what the design should be, then that just automatically helps because then they can give very, very like specific detailed feedback about, okay, change this and do that and do this because we need it in game, quote, yeah. unquote. Like and, if it's, and there's a reason it's not why real. it's all because yeah. of reasons rather than what are we going to make today? Like, oh, I've got a blank canvas here. What am I going to do? Something that, yeah, yeah, something that works well, something that's going to look good in my portfolio. Yeah, you're coming at it yeah. from a director's, like, we need this to work rather than look good. So it needs to work in this context. Yeah, and it's vital. Um, I think because, like, people, I don't know, people always, like, get confused about this sort of stuff and they, like, they never know when to make that transition, but you should try and make it as soon as possible. Like, just having problems to solve because ultimately when if you're an artist in production on anything like be it film music movies whatever like if you're an artist and you're working through stuff basically what your job is to do is to solve problems like you're trying to help other people out it's not really you're not really there to be the end product for the most part like you, you kind of are sometimes if you're a 3d artist then like yeah your work directly makes it into products but like as a concept artist anyway, I never, ever, like my my stuff isn't actually never directly in games ever, which is kind of nuts if you think about it. Like my whole career is based around something that hardly anyone ever sees apart from like the people I see on art station or people within production, but it affects a lot. Yeah. And when, when you look at it from that perspective, you realize like, okay, I'm literally just there to be used as a tool to help other people out. And students sort of miss that like they, all they see is like the art books and the pretty stuff and the like oh like they they know all the famous like concept artists and stuff but they don't realize that that's only like a, a very small slither that's of the, the industry cream of the crop that have right picked, like book quality images to put in a book yeah absolutely yeah and the the irony is like most of them people that have them book quality images as you put it um majority of the games that they've worked on don't actually look like that yeah, like they, they like have gone through so much iteration and changed so much. Like that extremely nice polished image that they did in the very beginning, while was a good guide to get them to the end product. Like it, it no longer looks like that anymore, like yeah. whatsoever. So it's this kind of weird juxtaposition you're constantly playing around with, and so it's it's always it's always fascinating in that respect. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. Always get feedback because, like, as soon as you make that transition, that jump, like, like you did, you reached out to the right people and you asked the right questions, and they give you that feedback. Like, you start, like, you automatically, without even realizing it, you automatically switch to that, and you, like, you're no longer thinking about how good something looks. You're you're trying to solve, trying a to get it accurate, and yeah, how yeah. do I get this model? I was trying to get it done, <clears throat> so I just had something to show for my thing, and I was just trying to, yeah, do the direction. So I was trying to just 
yeah, it was know. doing that process. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and it's very natural, and and like that's it, the, the weird thing is about all of that is that when you switch to that mode of problem solving, it's actually way more fun. Yeah. Than just the just the, like the normal bug standard, like I'm just making something that looks cool. Like yeah. that's good in the beginning, but after a while, that gets kind of like you get used to it, it becomes a job. But the problem solving aspect to this industry is the thing that just never ends. Like that's the thing that is constantly happening. So that's that's the part that makes it exciting more than anything else. So the sooner people like realize that and switch to it by contacting people, by asking them for feedback, it's it's great. Like it's invaluable, I think. Yeah. I think it's I think that should be taught at unis, like, you know, reach out to people and and try to get them to help you out with this. I mean that kind of yeah, sounds like a cop out from a tutor though, doesn't it? Try and get other people no, to help. I mean, no, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though. They should absolutely um, do a class on how to reach out to industry professionals, mm. you know, because that's because a right vital questions part to ask, of breaking in. And there's questions yeah. which you're just trying to avoid. Yeah, yeah, like the silly ones. Yeah. Oh, well, they'll figure it out. They'll figure well, it out. They won't, and they'll never break in. That's the that's the way of the world. Well, I even if you don't break in, because I haven't really broken in. Well, I kind of have. It was still invaluable, and I still use those lessons, and it's still, right. yeah, it's still what I tell at parties whenever I do go to parties. Where anyone... yeah, you just need to get used to taking feedback as well. Like that's something that people struggle with the most. So like, yeah. the, the quicker you start asking people, because sometimes you get harsh feedback. Like I remember when I applied to ILM a few years ago, and the art director replied back, and he's just like, "Yeah, no, your lighting's terrible on your on your concepts." And I was like, "All right, cool, thanks." I like I took that and I grew. I mean, kind of, kind of a dickish thing for him to say. I agree, yeah. but at the end of the day, like after after you get over the whole, God, that guy was horrible. Like you start thinking about it, and then I start looking through all my concepts. Like, yeah, maybe I do need to improve my light, and, and then that seeps into like my next concept that I do. So it was helpful either way. But the sooner you get like them worst case scenarios happen to you, you know, the quicker you'll get over them, and the quicker you'll be able to build and grow from it. So that ultimately, it was still helpful, even if it was like done in a yeah. spirited way. So don't be afraid of that. Like it's still, still vital. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. I didn't, I, that's kind of sucky. I've had quite, quite good luck then by the sounds of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got, you got lucky with ILM, but that was, that's ILM of 2020, like 2019 or whatever, when yeah. I applied to them versus ILM 20 years ago, like, oh, 10 years ago. Sorry. So like, it's a different, mm. yeah, it's a different, different mindset. It depends who you talk to and stuff. So yeah. yeah and it wasn't the every, channels, every, you know, either. Yeah, every single art director is different. Every single one. Yeah. Like every every art director I've ever worked with is a completely different person, different taste, different mentalities, different um, values and different approaches, yeah. values. Everything is different because they're individuals, right? Like they're not, there's no systemic way to do this. It's mm. just about them having a vision, thinking something looks cool, and they're wanting to tell you yes or no. Like some art directors think I'm awesome and then other art directors think I'm garbage. Like it's just that is the way of the world. Even in like even within our own studio sort of thing. It's just everyone is different and everyone has different like expectations and mm. uh, styles and, and and visions. So yeah, it's just don't like people need to get used to that as soon as possible. And by contact. Yeah, don't industry. mean that's disheartened, just means you just haven't right. found the yep. right person to say yes yet. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the best way you can do that is just by contacting them blasting them out, asking yeah. them questions. Just don't ask them like what brushes they use and uh, how do I bring How do I get into the industry? <laughs> then you'll be fine. Right. Because <laughs> they'll just say, I use default brushes and you should just keep pushing. Keep, uh, keep submitting your portfolio to companies. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> get good, bro. I get don't know. good. <laughs> 
yeah all right yeah we should uh we should wrap this thing up anyway um thank you very much everyone for joining us uh we really appreciate you tuning in you should uh like subscribe hit the bell icon to be notified when we do go live which is normally every sunday but we won't be next week because there is something called christmas happening and new year's and we need a break from you crazy people but you know we've still got like 35 episodes before this for you to go and check out yeah so yeah, Talk so if you're if you're sitting there, Father Christmas has bought you some nice goodies, then check out, you know, sitting there on your new iPad or whatever, then check out all <laughs> our back catalogue because you probably haven't seen them. And they're some right. good ones. Like Vin most, can teach most you, people haven't. Vin can teach you how to get into the games industry uh, in some of the episodes. I can't remember which one, so you just have to watch all of them until you find them. <laughs> That's right. And you should start from the last one backwards because it's definitely like near the beginning. But I'm not yes, it's near the like first view. It's on the first view. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it was the last episode I'm not sure just like watch the last one then work your way back you'll find it eventually um, <laughs> after like 30 but, well how many hours of content have we got now it's like 30 33rd video 35th no uh, we're on 36 now so we've got like 40 50 hours of content okay easy congratulations yes. to you new indeed. new subscriber yep indeed <laughs> <laughs> but anyway yeah um Chris, where, where yeah. can people find you on? Uh, so they can find me on Twitter, uh, which is at AcrylicPixel. Um, and that's, you know, where this story came from that I told. So, you know, add me on Twitter, AcrylicPixel. And I've also <laughs> got a YouTube channel, which I don't really do much on more, but I need to. Again, which is AcrylicPixel. But Vin, where can we find your art stuff and your indie game stuff? Cool. Yeah, you can find my artwork at ArtStation. I am Vinhill Art on there. So if you Google me, I'll be, uh, I show up on Google everywhere. Like I'm not in an egotistical way. I've just sort of got that name. I've reinforced it. Yeah, I just, I've got a really unique name, thankfully. And then also, like, I've just posted absolutely everywhere over the past 10 years. So, like, I'm in the algorithm, thankfully. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm also on Twitter at Hillfort Games, which is all my indie stuff, as you just mentioned. Um, I am going to be spending the next few weeks. Like over the over the holidays, I'm I'm gonna be working on my game like a lot. So I've got a lot to sort of get through. I really, really want to finish off a playable demo on the other end of this. Uh so hopefully by our next indie dev solo sort of round table that we do with uh you, Chris and Sam Webster, where I'm I should have something playable, I hope. So I'll be uh, that's that's the goal. We'll see. But yeah, I'm gonna be posting stuff on Twitter about my indie game if you are into that stuff. But if not, then just subscribe to this and listen to us we're also on spotify on all your favorite podcast services we're floating around because we're on anchor so we're absolutely everywhere yeah and until next time which should be in the new 2022. year yeah and in, indeed so yeah have everyone a good christmas, have a great everyone. Yeah. have a good christmas a good new year and uh play some video games because there's a lot coming and you need to clear out your backlog, Get your backlog before. Catalog done now yeah it's a good time should, to do you it. really really should because next year is going to be insane so let's let's all collectively get together and play some video games so we can do this properly because <laughs> we've got it right yeah yep until next time then until next time everyone see you later happy christmas bye bye